Welcome to the Drag Me to the Movies podcast. I'm Ned. And I'm Joe. And in this episode, we're going to discuss War Games from 1983, starring Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy, John Wood, Dabney Coleman, Barry Corbin, and many others. So, Joe, what did you think? So, you picked, like, the most 80s snapshot of the world that you could have. Yep. This thing just stunk of 80s. Stunk? Uh, whether it was stunk. No, the movie didn't stink. It's, it just stunk of 80s. Like, there was a lot of stank on it from the mm-hmm. 80s is what I'm trying to say. Uh, whether it be the arcades, the music with the synthesized drums and, and, and you know, just synthesizers and um like that uh that eighties teenager doesn't give a damn kind of attitude and um you yeah. know what I mean just like that plus you when know, you see like an 80s movie it's what it feels like stuff well like that. right right I wouldn't try to take it that way but you know you bring it up yeah you're right I mean, if with, if there that. wasn't a cold war this movie really wouldn't have had much much of legs to stand on. Um but yeah so it's definitely 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 got the eighties vibes. Oh, yeah. Um, overall, I, I have to say I liked the movie. Um, I liked <clears throat> again the whole idea that it's kind of like a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I being from like the IT field, um, in our day jobs, it was kind of cool to see the technology of that time being used, which um is odd to me as well that for the time frame that they were in, that kid had some crazy high end tech. Which makes me like wonder, like what, how, how is he getting it? Like, were were his parents rich? Like, how uh, did he know those people at like the computer place? You know, I imagine it's just from him being an enthusiast and those guys being enthusiasts. But like, there was a lot yeah, of tech know. there that I mean, probably a cost lot, a lot of money. Agreed for that time, especially in like you know being able to. Like, I don't know, it's early hacking. This is probably one of the earliest hacking movies I can think of, aside from, like, Tron, maybe? Um, I remember loving Tron growing up and uh, this movie as well. Uh, I don't know if this movie actually influenced me to get into the IT world at all, but I've always kind of been a tinkerer, per se. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff where he obviously made connections um he probably had his parents buy him a computer and they're you know kind of the parents that are like okay well we have the money why not do it and then he probably figured out the rest of the stuff by talking to people in chat rooms or making connections at the local college um like he obviously knew those guys that kind of understood how to get into mainframes and stuff like that right yeah it just it was it was an interesting thing um for that kid uh just to have all that equipment in his house when the rest of his house kind of seemed like it was not as high tech um would you expect would you be more forgiving of that if his dad was like in the it world or something it didn't it didn't bother me i was just just curious like why this it seemed it seemed to stand out a little bit that this kid like went into his room and he had probably like it's probably i'm guessing six to seven thousand dollars worth of equipment (laughs) sitting in there you know like high end, like equipment. well, yeah. I mean, he had like the disc drives, he had the modem, he had like the speakers where he could run even text through it to output audio. 
Right. Um, I have to imagine he had his own phone line. Um, you know, because he was doing those robocalls. Yeah. So, um, which again, I take note of that. He is he the first robocaller? <laughs> I don't. Maybe. I I should have taken time to look at it. I don't know when robocalling became a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to Google that while I'm talking, but. Uh, Oh, it looks like 1977. So there you go. He wasn't the first Robocaller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, I mean, there's, it was just cool to see like that, I guess, amount of technology in one spot. And, you know, it was a little unnerving that this kid had all that. And, you know, it, it, it really made me think about how at that time, you know, there probably weren't a whole lot around best practices for things. So, oh, yeah. It's totally it believable like to me network. about how. Right, how he can dial yeah. into the skulls, you know. Well, um, he had written a script that pretty much dialed all the numbers in the area that's just scanning for computers. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was interesting um, that, the, yeah, like he was just able to crack into that kind of stuff and handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to me, too, that like there was, I guess, well enough written code to know to hang up if it wasn't a computer answering versus a person, because they, well, if they it wasn't it, a dial uh, tone or something like that, it would uh, just, right. Click. Right. So, okay. Maybe it's not as impressive as I, th- I thought, but it just, it was cool to see that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. you know, the kid, the kid was almost like a little bit of like a, a nerdy MacGyver in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially like when he gets he to the point where he's escaping that room. And then he also manages to like reset the code on the guards mm. and, all that right. jazz too. Yep, he rewires that panel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so, a lot of people. Like, I kind of figured that's what he does. That's his hobby. That's what he focuses on pretty much 100 percent of his time outside of school. And he doesn't even seem to focus at school. And that's all he does. And then he changes his grades in school later. Right. Right. So this this kind of made, I think, a step in the direction of computer nerds can be cool. Because oh, yeah. this this kid's definitely not like your stereotypical nerd like that. That dude is Melvin at the mm-hmm. at the college or wherever they went. Yeah. Um. Which fun fact that guy his voice sounded familiar to me, so I looked it up. He uh he voiced one of the um cartoon characters from Dexter's Laboratory. Um. From yeah, my he's childhood been in a few up. other things. I'm trying to remember what else he's been in. Yeah, he was in um. Oh, I'm trying to remember. I was looking at his IMDb to, to to fill out where he was from. He did a lot of voice acting, but he was in um, it wasn't Revenge of the Nerds. It was something around that time. Was it Animal House? Animal House. I yeah, can't maybe. remember. It's been a while since I've seen that one. But yeah, so definitely that nerdy like, hey, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, I enjoyed that that, you know, there was that extreme of it as well. Um, oh, he's in both Grease movies, too. Well, there you go. Probably playing a nerd. Um, most likely, I mean, if you're going to make a career out of something, lean into it. Right. Yep. Um, so I overall for the theme of this movie, one thing that came to mind to me is for the average American that watched this, like in the mid eighties, late eighties, when this came out, mm-hmm. um, this probably put the fear of God into them around computers, or I guess this is early eighties, but this, if I, if, if I didn't know anything about computers, this would have made me feel real uneasy about the world. Mm-hmm. Um and make me feel un- real uneasy about having a computer in my house, especially one that's connected uh, to the internet. I know it's not connected all the time, right? Dial dial up and everything, but right. Um, 
you know, this is basically seamlessly seem seemingly like what a 17 year old kid that's hacking into things and, and inadvertently almost causing World War Three. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how if, if how, how or if this movie set like the computer industry back at all um, for the average American. I mean, it could have set it back, but it also could have drived it forward by people realizing, oh, we might want to do something to prevent people from doing that. You mean from like a cybersecurity type thing? Mm-hmm. Like people are like, oh, hey, maybe you should have better practices. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Um, but like you talk about like all the like backdoor stuff, like that's something people still do today. Right. <clears throat> I mean, tech tech complexity has gone through the roof um, mm-hmm. from when this was a thing. But I mean, really, the fundamentals are the same. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense. Um the name of that computer that they used at uh, NORAD, the, the Whopper. Whopper. Yeah. All I could think of is like the the Burger King song right now right. about Whoppers. Okay. Um, which really bummed me out. You, you <laughs> Whopper, Whopper, Junior Whopper, that one. You guys know. If you're on the internet, you understand. Actually, I don't um, think I know that one. Really? Nope. Shit. All right, I'll send it to you later. Um, yeah, Twitter. there's a whole thing on TikTok about it, about Whoppers, and yeah, I'll put it on our. I'll, I'll look at look at our Twitter, and I'll I'll throw it out. And there. if you're like seeing it on Twitter, we'll probably post this before the episode airs. You'll yeah, just to freak things out. I, to. Yeah, maybe I'll even tease a future movie and then put the song underneath it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so the the whole Whopper thing was kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um. I wonder too. While we're talking about the Whopper, how were they stretching technology with what it was capable of at the time? Around, you know, it, it being AI. You know, no. I wonder. I, don't think so. I wonder if there was capabilities then um, for that kind of stuff, or if or was there? You know, because really they're they're talking about machine learning language there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is this this yeah this guy this computer Joshua the Whopper is is basically running simulations of things to basically the way they figured is to run simulations to say here's the best way to react to situations that may occur between the soviets or whatever and here's the way you win um and you know he gets stuck in his simulations and he ends up you know deciding it's not a simulation anymore it's it's real life and so there's a the whole whole crescendo of this of this movie is that the Whopper's making it look like the Soviets are attacking when in fact they're really not. It's just simulation, uh, simulation running on stream yeah. or on, on, yeah, on stream on, stream. <laughs> on screen. Um, so, you know, there's a whole lot of like drama around, you know, did did the Russians actually do this? You know, there's times where there's like talk about while well, the Russians denied it, but we know they don't. They wouldn't do that. The commie bastards. And, yeah. you know, it's just like all over the place. As I mean, far as like the stress of the situation. So to kind of be honest, you think about this. Um, it was a year after this movie that you see movies like The Terminator. So I really feel that like there was AI stuff and there's kind of always been AI. Um, it's not as complex and as easily accessible like it is becoming these days. Um, but there's always been like even back when I was in college, there's stuff that I would write script that would try to be, you know, predictive of what people are going to type and have a response that's, you know, makes sense and seems human. Like that type of thing has always been 
something people strive for with programming. Gotcha. Yep, that's why you're the programmer guy and I'm not. Yeah. Um yeah, so I did find it, you know, kind of humorous um that uh, you know, Whopper could be logged into with not a username password combination, just a name. Mm-hmm. Uh that was that was kind of funny to me. But again, this is this is like Well, I think like in general, I don't think there was a username at all for anyone. It was just you had to have a password that would work. Right. Right. Well, they, I mean, they, they kind of set it up for that because what the yeah. school computer, the password was pencil. Mm-hmm. That was how you logged in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But still, it just uh, to me, it seemed like with a government computer like that, you know. Um, well, that's also like to speak to your original assessment is like that is expensive technology and they have something that they are trying to repurpose. They use software to build upon that they may not have fully inspected and realized that there is a backdoor in there. Yeah, right. No, I, I get that. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's that it's interesting to me that, you know, they're, they're putting they're like, cause the whole thing at the beginning of the movie is, Hey, there was a simulation that happened and nobody told the guys that were locked in the room with the nuke keys. Um, so they act, they treated it as if they were going to nuke the Russians. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we didn't nuke them is because somebody hesitated. Um, and well, so the conversation it happened. It was around, actually a simulation in that case. That's what I said. Yes, yeah. it was a simulation, but they didn't know that. Right. The ones, the ones in the room didn't know that. That's why the one hesitated because he didn't want to kill that many people with a nuke. Yeah. And so that that brought out that, you know, people um, aren't going to be as uh, as timely uh, if a nuke were to go off or to be launched from the uh, the Russians, because, you know, the way it was going was chain of command was the president called. They got confirmation, had to go to like the general there at NORAD. <clears throat> the NORAD had to then send the code to the people. The people had to put the code in. Then the countdown had to start. And so it was like by the time they would have did that, they'd have been nuked. And, you know, there was no chance of, of retaliation. So they, they hooked them up to like PLCs and and uh, and different things like that to do the manual stuff that the computer would just initiate from the get go. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I kind of get that, like. They had that PC that was strictly just for um, doing simulations and they repurposed it in a way to yeah. also, you know, do that. And I and I get too they did it without the help of the guy who created it. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, the guy that was there with him that helped was there, but he, you know, you can't expect him to know everything that was there either. Um, yeah, it seemed so like I, he I was underst- new as he was the top of his game. Yeah, right. It seemed like he was still catching up, right? Like, because right. there was a lot of times where David would say, hey, you know, this could be happening. He's like, eh, I don't know about that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, this this computer computers don't call people, um, he says at one point. Um, so I, yeah, I, I get I get again that this is all like complex things and, you know, stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, you, you see something like that. And, and that's and that's again why I say, like, I wonder how much this put the fear of computers in people, because here you are with the U.S. government that should have their shit together, and and you have a 17-year-old that almost gets everyone nuked. Um, but again, I, I also see the edginess of it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's also Hollywood. I'm sure the more secure systems and things that are definitely responsible for nukes are only accessible from specific phone lines and things like that, and not just 
open to the public lines. Um, right. But yeah, Hollywood obviously probably took liberties to you know, be able to tell the story. Honestly, I feel right. that they like looking at it today and comparing it to that time. I think it still holds up pretty well. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think for like the believability of things and like the drama of it all and the high stakes. And yeah, I absolutely agree that it, it felt like it was all all believable. Like this could have happened. This could be a dramatization of something that happened in real life. Mm-hmm. I totally believe it. Um, parts that were kind of like, yeah, is, you know, like, hey, we got this kid. He's probably working with the Soviet. Um, he's got somebody on the outside. Um, oh, let me take him out of this holding cell that we, or this, I guess the infirmary that we have him in into my office. Oh, and then I'm going to leave my office, uh, leave him in there by himself with a computer. Um, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was a little, a little like, all right, well, that's just moving the movie along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. moving the there story along. There was definitely along. some things that went and it up a bit. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, side note is when um, they try to find the uh, professor who programmed everything and they go to that island that he lives on. Mm-hmm. Um, they focused on the pterodactyl flying quite a bit. And I'm like, yeah. what? Like, what? <laughs> Are they on like a prehistoric island now? Like, what's this about? And then, <laughs> you know, you find out it's just a, a remote controlled like plane that looks like a pterodactyl. They spent a lot of time on that, which it's like, what was that about? Um they, they another, yeah well <laughs> another another part where i felt like they they really like focused on and it it probably wasn't that long i'll, I'll be told but it felt like it was is like zooming in on the dad buttering his corn with a piece of bread and then them having an argument over why the mom didn't cook it or not oh like i don't know like it just seems <laughs> odd to me like why why like, like, I like have a feeling that's probably like a personal thing from somebody on the set that's like, hey, let's put this scene here because my wife has been doing this and it really grinds my gears, you know? Oh, I'm, like, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, it's just, it was like, okay, this is weird because, you know, we have the tempo of the movie and then all of a sudden here's dad buttering a piece of bread and then massaging yeah. it on the corn of the cob and then chewing into a piece of raw corn. <laughs> and then there being a whole thing. Um, again, I don't think it took anything away from it. It's just, I, I, I noted that that was an odd, an odd way to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I finally, uh, I think I'll say is, is that I feel like this movie, um, leaned into in a few spots that humans are superior to PCs, um, or to, to programming or AI. Um, because there's a, there's a few spots. I mean, especially with the ending of the movie of how they outsmart it to get it to stop, you know, the whole simulation or, or, or mm-hmm. lack thereof simulation. Um, there's, you know, spots around <clears throat> um, how, you know, the kids able to get around like the security and the infirmary. Um, it just seems like there's a, there's a few spots where it's, you know, showing how people are, are getting around this, this technology. There's a whole discussion about how we need to replace people with this computer and the computer ends up actually making everything worse. Um, so I, I wonder if the, that was not a message they were going for, or maybe, maybe not. It's just that that's how the movie had to go. Um, um it could have been someone trying to make like a political statement with it. Um, I don't know. I never really looked at it in that point of view. I just, yeah, kind of I, always... I actually should look at the, the director and see what else he's done. Um, 
Although it's <laughs> short circuit. There you go. Um, and Saturday Night Fever, which is nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I guess based on those movies, I can't really say um, that he has an agenda on anything. Um, but yeah, overall, I was I was pleased with the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I thought I thought the pacing was good. It didn't feel like it was like a long movie. It felt like it was over pretty quickly. Um, it was almost a two hour movie, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely kept me engaged the whole time. Um, yeah, it's, I think that's all I have to add about this. What about you? Yeah. As I said, like, this is one of those movies that I really loved growing up. Um, just like, you know, shall we play a game? Like being able to kind of have tic-tac-toe set up to be ultimately the game that helps the computer learn that not everything has a winner. Um, and shows that both sides can either tie or lose. Like, I just, I, I really appreciate how they kind of went about doing that for this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, but even like the example stuff where, you know, he's hacking into the school, gets access to things. I mean, I was kind of doing that stuff myself uh, back in high school, um, not changing grades or anything, but there was definitely um, ways around some of the security stuff they had in place so you can get to websites where you can play games that are typically Mm -hmm. locked down. Um, So stuff like that. Um, But, you know, this movie, I overall thought they did a very good job of kind of playing upon uh, the time that it was released. Uh, The whole, you know, Russians versus U.S. aspect of things. Um, The whole DEFCON getting people familiar with that. I don't know how many movies had really touched upon the different levels of DEF CON. Um, yeah, but I, this one I definitely never knew got what DEF CON stood for until yeah. this movie. Yeah. So there's just a lot of like really cool things that I felt that this, number one, it's a good story. I think it exposes people to computers in a unique way that might drive some interest for it and probably has over the years. Um, and then it's just kind of a fun thing to kind of like you're kind of sympathetic to this man who lost his son and turned him into a computer named Joshua um stuff like that that I thought they did a real good job with plus there's a lot of you know I guess kind of interesting things as far as like the applications that they had like the whole okay let's play global thermonuclear war um Mm -hmm. and have that be kind of a simulation and like as you know he gets into the like whole thing is um, the computer's trying to sway him away from playing that. But then they're like, oh, well, let's get rid of Seattle. Let's get rid of this place and like actually trigger those things. Of course, is it scary that a hacker could get into something potentially that has access to actual nukes? Yes. Um, we're kind of living that right now with, you know, different things going on with Russia and Vietnam and China and all that jazz like that's always going to be a kind of a pending threat and this is one of the first movies that i'm aware of that touched upon that aspect of things so yeah that's that's all fair but yeah this is definitely uh i would say one of my favorite movies growing up to be honest uh, plus you know had matthew broderick in it you know ferris bueller so it's definitely kind of a nice transition to see him in something else right 
Yeah, you know, I I agree. This is uh, it was a good movie as an adult. I could only imagine as a kid. It's kind of kind of rad, mm-hmm. um, in a way. You know, it's there's a lot around like teenage love in it as well. You know, and depending yeah. on what age you were when you saw it, I'm sure that hyped you up too. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a good it's a good movie. Um, overall, and uh, yeah, I feel like it, it did a good job at. Relating with kids, but also making it adult enough with adult enough themes, um, you know, to make it enjoyable for, I think, all ages to watch. So what uh, did you settle on score wise for this one? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to give this one a four out of five. A four um, out of five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overall, like I said, story was good. Um, made me made me think a lot of like what the technology today is like and what it was like then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's stuff that I learned in school and I got to see in, in, um, operation in the movie, you know, like the, uh, the, the network stuff, like you, you have right. a little bit of a different, like I'm familiar with the network stuff, obviously as a programmer, but not nearly as what you are. Right. So, yeah, so it was just cool to see that snapshot, how it worked, um, get to see some, some actual use of it in, in, in practicality. Um, and the story was great to boot. So, yeah, I'm going to land on a four. Nice. What about you? Very nice. Uh, I also gave it a four out of five. Um, as I said, this is one that is probably a little nostalgic for me, but uh, it may have also been one that influenced me in my career as well. Um, but that's Very where cool. I settled. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, thanks. All right. Well, uh, how about this for a next recommendation? Um, I just went this past weekend to see Scream 6, and I hear that you haven't seen the original Scream. You heard correctly. So I think that needs to happen, man. Yeah, I'm down. I I, uh, I uh, admittedly saw parts and pieces of the movie as a child, but okay. not enough to really know what's going on. So like, I, I know there's a, there's a mask or a ghost face guy going around. I don't know if it's Michael Myers-esque, if it's a real person kind of thing, you know, like a believable kind of murder thing. I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to getting to watch it. You are in for a treat, sir. Looking forward to see, hearing your thoughts on it. Well, stay tuned. Indeed. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at to the movies pod. And uh, thanks for joining, Joe. Yeah, thanks for dragging me to that retro movie no problem bye everybody bye bye